0: Through trusting in God and being found uh, above reproach, we've seen Daniel do a lot of great things in the kingdom. Uh, He was delivered last week from the lion's den. Uh, There's been favor for Daniel and rising to the top of the empire as an advisor, Um, even though he was starting starting out as a Jewish slave brought into the the kingdom. We've seen two kings in Daniel's life come to proclaim that Daniel's God is the God. I want to have that kind of testimony. That anyone I walk into a pathway with, if they don't believe in God, by the time they, ha- they get done seeing God do things in my life, they'll say, you know what, Your God's real. Amen. That's the kind of testimony we should all strive for, amen. amen? They believe that Yahweh is true, powerful, just, great things. Now, the interesting thing about the book of Daniel is, if you didn't know, it's actually divided up basically into two sections. Chapters 1 through 6 is the life of Daniel. And that's what we've been reading. 1 through 6, we've been seeing how he rose from just brought in as a slave to an advisor of the entire empire. But there's a little bit of a shift in chapters 7 through 12 because where in 1 through 6 you see the life of Daniel, in 7 through 12 you actually start to see the visions and dreams that he had during his life of chapters 1 through 6. And getting into Daniel's chapter 7 tonight, um, basically where he, he, we're going into his first vision, his first dream. And in this vision and dream... This happens about the time, excuse me, of Daniels chapter 4 and 5, right after, if you remember King Nebuchadnezzar, this is right after his reign, and when Belshazzar comes into the kingdom. Excuse me. So, I know God wants to do something when he's trying to take away my voice, amen? So, we're going to start in Daniel 7, verses 1 through 2. This is the first vision he has, if you will, during the reign that chapter 7 through 12 cover. During... The first year of King Belshazzar's reign in Babylon, Daniel had a dream and saw visions as he lay in his bed. He wrote down the dream, and this is what he saw. In my vision that night, I, Daniel, saw a great storm churning the surface of a great sea with strong winds blowing from every direction. And before I get really deep into this message, I think it's something to be said that when he had the dream, he wrote it down. We, we hear the scripture applied a lot to vision for houses and vision for businesses to write the vision down and make it plain. But I, I want to get really practical with you. When God gives you something, write it down and make it plain because there will be times in your life you need to refer back to what God showed you. If you believe that God showed it to you, it should bear enough weight for you to keep record of it. And I think one thing that we need to learn how to steward as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, is if God shows you something, you should never be at a place where you forget what he showed you. Very important. Write it down. And I would even say if you have a question of whether it was God or not, write it down so that through time you're able to test of whether that was him or not. Just because you get it doesn't mean you need to act on it. Let me say that one again. Just because you get it don't mean you need to act on it. Just because you hear it don't mean you need to prophesy it. Just because you heard something doesn't mean you got to say it. Sometimes God gives you something for you to intercede on behalf of what you're seeing. I think maturity in the body needs to look a little more like I'm mature in when I give it. Okay? So write it down. Make it plain. I I see some of you right now are nodding like, yeah, I need to write something. Write it down, okay? So Daniel wrote the dream down, and this is what he saw. In my vision, I, Daniel, verse 2, I saw a dream. I already read it, but I'm reading it again. Saw a great storm turning the surface of the great sea with strong winds blowing from every direction. Now, most translations actually say the great sea. And most believe, we don't know for a fact, but most believe when it referred to the Great Sea, maybe it was referring to the Mediterranean Sea because the empires that the scripture is going to actually go through, they were all connected to the Mediterranean Sea in one form or the other. But what I find interesting is that he saw the sea start to churn and he saw four winds blowing. It says winds from every direction. So, you got winds from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Um, In other translations, it actually points out four great winds. Four winds churning every direction. And they weren't just any winds, but in the original translations, we actually see that it was the winds of heaven. Not just any wind, not winds of something to fear, but winds of heaven churning the sea. So we have this picture that from every corner of the earth, the winds of God were blowing. The power of God was everywhere, and it was coming from all over. And as I was reading that, God reminded me of a scripture that we probably all read, but I want to read it again in Genesis chapter 1, the first two verses of the scripture. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. Now, pay attention to that. Darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over everything. The Spirit of God was everywhere. The Spirit of God was above darkness. The Spirit of God does not fear darkness. And if a place is dark, it's not because it's absent of the Spirit of God. It's the dark place has not submitted to the truth that He is there. Amen. We as Christians, when we think of dark places, we automatically think absence of God. He's everywhere. He's not limited off of darkness. Okay, Darkness has to submit to Him. The problem with dark places is not the absence of God. It's the absence of our influence on behalf of God to shine light into a dark place so it submits to the truth of his presence. The Spirit was hovering everywhere. The Spirit is still hovering, and we have the, uh, the, 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 the benefit of he's not just hovering over everything and everywhere, but he's actually residing in us. And there are moments when the Spirit of God hovers over and stirs up the waters. In Psalm 35, David actually sang a song that's, it's not up there, but I'm going to tell you what it says. It says, bring shame to those who were trying to kill me and blow them away like worthless things by the Wind sent by an angel of God. So we have this picture of God blowing the wind and churning the sea. In fact, Psalm 104, verse 4 says this The winds are your messengers, and flames of fire are your servants. And if God is starting to blow winds, then there is something that He's wanting to reveal when He's stirring up the waters. And in verse 3, we see what happens as a byproduct of God blowing the winds coming and turning the waters. It says in verse 3 of Daniel 7, then four huge beasts came up out of the water, each different from the others. You, You could probably tell why I had to do some digging in this message, right? So as the winds start to blow, things start to be revealed. And when the Spirit starts to stir some things, as the winds of God begin to blow, we need to be careful to pay attention as to what He is trying to reveal and not treat the blowing of winds as just a casual glory moment. Because what we'll do is the winds of God start to blow and we'll say, look at the wind. And God is telling us, don't focus on the wind. Focus on the purpose of why I chose to start to blow and stir up. I, be- I believe that that is why revivals have not been sustained. Because we get more infatuated with the wind than what the wind is trying to do. The wind will, <laughs> the wind will start to blow to reveal, and we stand in awe instead of steering the moment and then changing as turning as he starts to reveal more. And what happens is religion starts to choke out revival is because God does something in a moment, and then we put the moment in a system expecting God to do the same thing for the rest of the days, and eventually the, 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 the system chokes out the spirit so much that he says, I'm no longer blowing. So if we truly want revival, we have to embrace this idea. What is revival? It's the ability to breathe again. And as we increase our ability to breathe, then God's going to do different things and move from glory to glory. I believe it was in a Haggai, or it may have been Hosea. I think it was Haggai, where God said the glory of um, the, 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 this house will be greater than the glory of the former. Well, if you take that principle of going from glory to glory and the glory of latter greater than the glory of the former, then if we were to see something like a woman get out of a wheelchair, that needs to become so common that we're waiting for the next thing that we are haven't seen yet, right? For those of you that don't know, that happened on Resurrection Weekend, uh, Colleen got out of a wheelchair, and what, what 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 is tempting to do is is keep celebrating that testimony. What I'm trying to do is is pay attention to what God was trying to stir up. He's trying to reveal that there is more in us, and more can happen, and more of His glory can be revealed. So let's steward of what's going. We found out this week that one of our uh, the people in the house, Renee, um, that they, they did biopsies and they saw cancer and all this. Well, she went back in, and they said the cancer has gone. Like. The the world is trying to find the cure, but we found it. But what we have failed to do is recognize a moment where God is saying, the reason I'm showing up signs and wonders and miracles is to reveal that I'm wanting to do something, and I want you to pay attention to what I'm showing you. Don't get enamored by the, the wind. Pay attention to what he's trying to reveal in the waters. God sent winds and, and then four beasts were revealed. Now, Daniel will later tell us what these, that these beasts actually represent empires, okay? So I want you to keep that in mind as we go into this. Now, this is the next part of the vision in verses four through six. The first beast was like a lion with eagle's wings. As I watched, its wings were pulled off and it was left standing with two hind feet on the ground like a human being. It was given a human mind. Then I saw a second beast, and it looked like a bear. It was rearing up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And I heard a voice saying to it, Get up and devour the flesh of many people. Then the third of these strange beasts appeared, and it looked like a leopard. It had four bird wings on its back and it had four heads. Great authority was given to this beast. Before I get into this, I gotta say this. I feel like God is telling me right now this message is a prophetic message for this house. And you're not here by accident for hearing it. Like there's there's something significant about this moment. I don't know what it means. Don't ask me what it means. I just know how I'm supposed to say it. Okay? All right. So we had this vision, and there's gonna be a fourth beast. But I want to take time to talk about the first three. It says that the first beast revealed was like a lion with eagle's wings. Now, lions and eagles were kings of their realms. Um, They they represented kingly and and majesty uh, uh, functions, if you will. They were great symbols of, uh, of majesty and kingship and all these things, but we see something about these lions and eagles that the wings of the eagles were plucked off and it was made like a human. Some versions actually say uh, a man's heart was given to the beast. Well, what this is actually speaking of is the Babylonian Empire. It's speaking of the majesty and the authority of Nebuchadnezzar in his reign over Babylon. Matter of fact, Jeremiah used the lion and the eagle as pictures of Nebuchadnezzar. If you go to the British Museum in London, you'll actually see, um, I, I'll, I can, we'll call them, you know, remembrance statues, others would say idols, uh, uh, and, and they use, they, they call it uh, Babylon's winged lion. It's a symbol of the empire, right? Well, the second beast was like a bear. Now, bears are not as majestic as lions and eagles. They're slower than a lion, but they're stronger, and they're crushing. And we see the second beast, the bear, it had an appetite because it was devouring things. In fact, in the vision actually said three ribs were hanging out its mouth. So this is actually speaking of, of an empire after that, the Medo-Persian Empire, the one that succeeded the Babylonian Empire. The Persians were dominating and taking over Babylon, Egypt, all these places, their military was known actually for overwhelming enemies with size and strength and cruelty in taking over places. So you have this vision of the bear just over there, all the stuff. Y'all like that? I practiced that. Just kidding. Now, the third beast, it says, was like a leopard with four wings and four heads. Leopards are known for sudden attacks. Wings speak to swiftness. Heads speak to being clever. So with the leopard being suddenly attacking things and four wings and four heads, we see a picture of something that's very fast and pretty smart, very clever. It's actually speaking about the Greek empire. Alexander the Great actually was very quickly known to conquer The world as he knew it by the time he was 28 years old, if you know anything about the history. Um, And then after he died, it says his empire was divided into four parts with four rulers. So you got this picture of four wings, fast, four heads, four rulers. Now, why did I go into that? Because some of you are probably thinking, okay, he's going to tell us the prophetic meaning of today. We've seen the prophetic fulfillment of what Daniel saw. We've actually seen this walk out. I think it's cool to actually see the prophetic vision fulfilled more than just Jesus coming to the earth, even though that's amazing and everything. But everything we've seen that the prophets prophesied, we've actually seen come to pass. Even in the form of Alexander the Great taking over the world as he knew it, that many, I know, I, I've read, read about and learned about in high school. God knows what's gonna happen in every scenario. I don't believe that means God plans for every scenario, but He knows every single thing it could be. I don't believe that God planned everything to happen. If you tell me that God planned everything, you explain that to the little girl who was raped by a man. God didn't plan that. Is that okay? To, is that okay? Okay. God didn't plan that. But God does know the outcome of every possible scenario that we are connected to, and He says, I will use it and make it work. For my good. Everyone knows, like for instance, the example I just gave, a a little girl being raped, for instance. God didn't plan that. But God will make it work and give her a voice that others might not have because of what she went through. doesn't mean God planned it. It He says, I'll work it. I'll use it for my glory, right? So he didn't necessarily plan for all these things to happen, but he does know what's going to happen if darkness reigns in authority over things. And with the current projection of what was going on back in the day, he gave Daniel the vision. This is what's going to happen. He he sees the outcome of what's going on. Now, why do I go through all that? We need to understand the fulfilling of prophetic vision, I believe, to give greater weight to a passage in 2 Peter. It says this in 2 Peter 1, verses 16-21. through We were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. Now, follow me for a second. Because they've, they've had the experience of seeing Jesus and seeing the voice of God speak to him and for him and giving a witness for him, he said because of that experience, because of our revelation of Jesus Christ, we hold greater weight to what the prophets said. The, the, the fulfillment of the sun here gives greater weight to the validity of what was said then. Okay? Because of that experience, we have greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. Their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding. I think that's one reason we need to be careful that every prophet explains their prophecy. They're priding themselves in their own ability, not understanding that sometimes the ability is just to tell the dream. Sometimes it is to interpret it. But not every time. And sometimes they'll have a vision and say, hey, this is what we've seen, but I don't know what's going on next. That's okay. That doesn't take away from the weight of the prophecy. It, it says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's understanding or from human initiative. It's really interesting. Every prophet's accurate when they prophesy in the moment. Like everyone's got a word about what's going to happen when they've seen what's already happened? (laughs) Right? I believe the Lord is going to do something. Like the the, the church is is going backwards and the Lord wants to do... Well, you you just saw the church go backwards in COVID. Of course you've seen that, right? Everyone's got a word when they see something in the moment. I'm I'm trying to light up some dark places here. we got to make sure we understand the validity of what's going on. Right? A a, a word for the church is to point us to prepare for light shining, not to point out the obvious. I don't don't know if y'all are receiving that or not. I don't care, but I I mean, from our human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. A word of prophecy is not supposed to be an answer to a cultural breakdown. A word of prophecy is meant for the church to be ready to shine light when we see the evidence of darkness. When the winds of God blow, we are pointed in a direction to prepare when we see darkness try to hover over the waters. We carry the light of God to say, not here. They said, now that we've we've had the revelation of Jesus as the Son of God, we should trust in and put a greater confidence in the message of the prophets. These aren't just cool stories. They're pointing towards something. It It says their words are like a lamp shining in darkness. It's all from Holy Spirit, and He knows that we are walking in dark days until the day dawns. When you get a revelation of Christ... He is the star shining in darkness in your heart so that you know which way to move and what to look out for. We have a light in us that shines, not just pointing to Christ, but, but it shines to a way for us to light up a dark place. It's, it's not just a prophetic word doesn't just point us to Christ, it points us as to where the bright morning star will reflect and shine from us. We are to reflect his light. So the morning star resides in our hearts so that he can tell us, oh, there's a dark place, put your foot there. Oh, there's a dark place, light that up. There's a reason you see the ignorance in someone and others don't. And it's not to make fun of them or take jabs at them. It's to light up the dark place. Right? There's a reason you were put in your situations. Because the moment you said yes to the bright morning star, he says, I'm going to use you to reflect my light in the dark places that only you were going to see. So light it up. And don't pray for God to light it up. Because we're really good about God shining in the darkness. And he's like, I'm waiting. I put you there for my light to shine. I believe maybe the strongest prayers we need to start praying are prayers of agreement. Yes, Lord. Not, Lord, you don't know what you're doing. Lord, I'm not ready. Lord, I don't know about... No. He, if he, you have been given the eyes to see it, and you have had a revelation of Christ, trust me, He's equipped you with the ability to shine up the dark and light up the dark place. It's interesting that there are four seasons, four winds, and four beasts. You know, on the fourth day of creation is when God brought sun, moon, and stars. All of which reflect What? light and burn in dark places. God used these things even to mark days, years, and seasons. How many seasons are there? Four. How many winds are there? If If that's not enough, the number four, you know the promise, rainbows, like the original purpose of a rainbow? Meaning meaning covenant, guess how many times it appears in Scripture? Four. Now, there's something also interesting with four because, again, we're talking about the winds blowing from every direction, the Spirit hovering. We're in His presence. Four represents time, essentially. Four represents the burning, the light shining from the reflection of the Son of God. Watch this in Hebrews 2:4. God added this witness to theirs. He validated their ministry with four things. Signs, astonishing wonders, all kinds of powerful miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which he distributed as he desires. He added the witness to theirs. I believe that a true house walking in an apostolic anointing We'll have a witness of all four of these. Signs, wonders, all kinds of miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you religious people in here, there aren't just nine. Those were nine that happened to be operating in the passage that we have an account of. If you think that his gifts are limited to nine things, that the, if we go from glory to glory, the glory of relentless should be greater than the glory of Acts. The glory, let me say it in a better way, the glory of the church should have a greater glory than what we saw in Acts, but for some reason we use act, the, the, what happened in Acts chapter 2 as we hope we get there instead of realizing we should surpass. Even Jesus himself said, you will do greater things than I and there will not be enough pages to contain, right? But what we love to do is we take this word of God and we actually make it an idol and a goal when it's supposed to be a testament of how to live. What we do is say, man, I I wish we could get back to this so that we could see heaven on earth. And God's like, what they were doing is exactly what you're doing. But, they understood something. They had a revelation of who I I am and they reflected me. They lit up darkness. And when you light up all kinds of darkness, there is a witness of signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Spirit. We're starting to see some of those in this church. But I think there's an issue when we think that It's just going to happen from time to time. It should become so normal for signs, wonders, and miracles that we no longer need the witness for the people coming to the church. But we, the church, are the witness to the people that need it. You see, where where church has got it wrong is we've made the meeting of ecclesia the goal of evangelism. Can what we have made this meeting is get people saved. That's not the point of this meeting. This meeting is for those who know Christ to come get apostolic and prophetic direction and discipleship to go evangelize, to go pastor, to go teach, right? To go minister. I've been saying this every week, and I'm probably going to say it a lot more. Jesus himself says it is better to give than to receive. Yet most people pick a church based off of I'm not getting fed. Oh, see, some of y'all are mad because y'all said that to me. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. My job is to, to sharpen you, right? That, that, that's going to hurt a little bit, okay? It's not where can I go to get fed, it's where can I go to be stewarded correctly so that I can give what's in me. See, what you didn't realize is it wasn't that you weren't getting fed, it's that you weren't being shown who you really are. Because the church teaches you that you're a sinner and that you're no good. But Jesus says, you're as righteous as I am. You're perfect. You're holy. You're blameless. I give you the authority to go tread on on serpents. But the church has embraced this wrong theology of, you know, we're horrible and we're not great and God is good. And God says, no, wake up to the truth that you can reflect my light. Therefore, you look like me. Therefore, you're as good as I am. And if we can submit to that reality that you are good despite your your falls of sinful activity, then you will get, uh, you will fall in love with, that, with, with the reality of the Father to such a degree that just as your desires change by the company you keep, your desires will change by the company you keep with the Father, and you won't sin not because you're trying to get it right. You won't sin because you have a new desire as a result of walking into true intimacy. <laughs> and when you do that, Darkness can't stay because you're no longer trying to, you know, turn on a light. You simply are. So you don't have to, like, walk into a a moment and and discern is, is this you or not. It's just you simply are, and you simply talk, and you simply reflect because you are so intimate in a relationship with God that there is no separation. But what we do in the church is we separate. We don't run our businesses like we would if we did it with the name Relentless on it. So they get a different side of you. But what we should do is that business should be light. Right? Why, 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 do, why do those employees love working for that guy? Right? Why, 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 does that, why, does that, why do they have so much favor? Right? How come when all these other businesses offering in this, this minimum wage, they can't get workers? Think about it. I hear it all the time. No one wants to work anymore. No one wants to work anymore. Let your business be such light that people start to say, why are they working for them? Redefining everything. You know what true revival is? It's not the ability for a bunch of people to come in here and hoot and holler. Revival is the gun violence in the city goes away because light spreads. And it has nothing to do with the right to carry or not. Because when the gun violence goes away, we won't care about the right. You want, like, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going, to, okay. No, 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 (laughs) no. Signs should naturally flow from sons and daughters, not just four sons and daughters. And that's the weight of four that we have to understand. There is a significance in the four beasts pointing away in time for light to shine and darkness tries to consume. So we have to be ready. We saw three. And the time is now to light up dark places. Now, the fourth beast is tricky because we've seen it and we... Are seeing it. Verse 7. In my vision that night, I saw a fourth beast, terrifying, dreadful, very strong. It devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled their remains beneath its feet. It was different from any of the other, of the other beasts, it had ten horns. As I was looking at the horn, suddenly another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by the roots to make room for it. Interesting, the mocking of the Trinity, isn't it? Okay, you'll get that in a minute. This little horn had eyes like human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. This beast and this empire was so terrifying that it wasn't even able to be described as an animal. Did you notice that the first three beasts, you see lions and eagles and leopards and bears, and this one, he just says, terrifying, dreadful, devouring. He can't even describe what it looks like. It can't be described, and Daniel said it was crushing in its conquests. Now, in the ancient world, a horn actually symbolized the power of a beast. So, in other words, a horn represented the strength and authority of a thing. And this thing that he could not describe, the only description he could put on it is he said it had ten of those horns. So its strength and its authority were massive. Now, part of this fulfillment, many believe, was speaking of the Roman Empire. Okay? But not all of it. Because three horns were torn out and one came up. And it was very intelligent and very arrogant. Now watch what happens in verse 9. I watched as thrones were put in place. And the ancient one sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. And a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. And many millions stood to attend him. And then the court began its session. And the books were opened. Steven Spielberg can't touch that. <laughs> All this is happening. He saw the thrones being put in place. Now, the King James Version, which I believe is one of the most inaccurate versions, actually, it says thrones were cast down. But the original translation more accurately reads thrones being established, which is very in line with a vision that John had in a book probably most of you've never heard of, Revelation, where he saw thrones representing what? The church. In other words, Daniel had a vision of the ecclesia being established. Thrones were being, the ecclesia was being established. Daniel didn't know what a church was going to be. He didn't know what Ecclesia was going to be. He just had this vision of thrones being established. And then the father, the ancient one, was seated on his throne with white clothing and white hair speaking to his character, purity. And the throne was of fire. And all this stuff coming from him, fire and flames, we've already read in Malachi 3 and 4, there's refining fire and consuming fire. Right? Right? And again, let me, we've been in this Malachi theme for a while. I'm pretty sure we're going to be referring to Malachi for a while. But Malachi 3 and 4, remember, there is the consuming fire for those that are not of God. That then there's a refiner's fire. And the point of a refiner's fire is a refiner would sit and look in the fire. And he'd pull out the metal when it did one thing, when it reflected his image. So we embrace a refining because when we, go, when, when we are pulled out of refining, we look exactly like him. To which I would say, Lord, send your fire. I don't know, I can't remember where I heard this from, and I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. But I heard that there's whispers of people saying we shouldn't pray for fire. Get that crap out of your head. I pray for fire. Fire, fall down. Fire, fall down. Fire, fall down. Refine me. Refine me. Refine me. I want everyone to see him. So refine me. What else doesn't look like you? Not for the purpose of getting a sin life right, But for one purpose, I want to reflect your light. I I want to shine so bright that wherever I simply am, you are, and therefore darkness has to flee, not because I'm special, but because I am wrapped up in an identity that is so special. Which makes you special? (laughs) Hmm. His throne was of fire. And out of that throne it said the fire poured out. Interesting scripture to refer to Isaiah 66 verse 15. You see the Lord is coming with fire. And his swift chariots roar like a whirlwind. You see all throughout scripture winds and fire, winds and fire. What's the purpose? Fire refining you to reflect when revealing what you should reflect to. He will bring punishment with the fury of his anger and the flaming fire of his hot rebuke. So in this vision, God comes in the wind and the fire to refine and judge, accompanied by millions of angels and humanity standing before him. Now, many of us know that this is pointing to the end, the end, the end end, the last last judgment, right? The last day. It says, court began and books were opening. And if you know anything about books, books of remembrance, book, book of the book of life, there's coming a day when the final sessions of judgment will begin and he will look to see whose names are in the books with all standing before him, right? It says, consuming fire will pour out and it won't touch those who have embraced being refined to living in him, living in light and lighting up darkness. In other words, Satan and hell should never be your reason to want to be embraced by God. Satan should never be your reason for anything. That's right. That's right. If you were scared into your salvation, I want to I help open up, I want to shine light into that darkness. You should never make that decision because you were scared of hell. The decision is, I want to be who I truly am, and I cannot be that without God. You know what the fear of God is? The fear of God is the fear of a reality apart from God. It's not, I'm scared he's going to throw me in hell. It's, I'm scared of a reality apart from my daddy. Amen. And everything in your life should be managed and stewarded in such a way where I don't want to see this apart from my father. My father knows what's best for me, my father knows how to manage this well. My father knows how I'm going to manage my finances the best. My father knows how I'm going to manage my relationships the best. My father knows how I'm going to manage friendships the best. My father knows how to manage the church the best. My father knows, so I'm not doing this out of fear of punishment. I'm submitting to him for the fear of not being able to reflect light. And I am called to be his reflection wherever I go, to light it up. What is it? Darkness. You want to you, you know why there's so much, that, that was kids' church, y'all, chill out. It wasn't God. <laughs> you want to know why there's so much darkness? It's because the ones carrying light haven't gone. It, it, it's actually a really simple concept. Light takes out darkness. So when we say, well, this place is messed up, there's one solution, light. And I'm, I'm treading here a little, just a little bit, but I think one thing we get messed up with church a little bit is we, we, we love religion even though we say we don't. So we start saying things like, well, when are we going to do an outreach project together? And you want everyone to do the same thing. But what if the way, you know, John reflects isn't going to do anything with that area because he reflects differently than you do? There's a special anointing on you for that dark place. And you're going to find the agreement you need to light up the dark place in a godlike way. Now, am I against outreach? No, obviously not. We, we we sow into outreach, we do stuff together. But we've got to get out of the religious routine of I'm waiting for the pastor to put it together when God has given you the anointing to shine without me. My, my job as an apostolic leader is not to put together a project for you. It's to point you in the direction when God puts it on your heart. And, and, and if the ecclesia, if the church starts to plan all this stuff for you, you're never going to wake up to the, your own ability to plan or to see or to hear. problem with church is that we have developed a culture where you're scared to come to me with your stuff because I haven't done it. Because we have developed this Pastor, you know, clergy, laity stuff, we got to throw that out. I have a function, you have a function, and my function doesn't do anything without yours, and yours doesn't do anything without mine. That's ecclesia. That's a body connected together. That's why we have to take the word of legitimate prophet seriously, because there's something about it that we need, Right? Is this okay? Hmm. Do not be surprised when the winds of heaven blow and fire falls from heaven because it's making the most of a kairos God-appointed time to redeem everything so that it will bow. But we've got to learn to pay attention as children of light to recognize the things being revealed. I've had a few people recently tell me like, hey, I had this prophetic word. And dreams and visions. My response is starting to be one thing. Write it down and send it to me. And quite frankly, if you can't take the time to write it down, I'm not going to give much weight to what you said. Why would you say that? Because I'm not going to remember everything you say. I can't remember what I did yesterday. But if you believe that God gave you something, Just as we see that Daniel did and many others, write it down so that we can put some weight to it, some prayer. You you know what? Something special is happening. We keep announcing it, but intercessional Mondays. You know what the beauty of that's going to be? One of you gives me a word that God gave you, and you don't need to get credit for it. But we're going to have people say, hey, someone saw this, war with it. That's the church working together. Or or Pee Wee and I were talking about this, but let's say that God has given me something I'm trying to make a decision on. I don't have to just pray about this alone anymore. I want to be involved in this in the house. Well, Mondays you can war with what I'm trying to make a decision on. Because where God is, there will be agreement, and everyone's going to hear and see the same thing. Do you know how quick we will be able to move in in the process of God with that kind of ecclesia? And when I say quick, I don't mean doing things on own accord. I'm talking about quick to move when God says move. Amen. You see what I mean by say prophetic message? That there's there's so much going on. There's a stirring. I've heard of about five or six people in this house they have felt led that they need to go to Washington D.C. That means there's an influence starting to organically stir in the waters of relentless to have some national influence. We need to pay attention to the winds blowing and revealing. I, I don't take it lightly, but I heard a kid, I think he's seven, yeah, he's seven years old. He came up to me last week when I was sweaty and nasty and working and not in pastor mode. And I was sitting down, I was hurting. And he came up to me, he goes, Pastor Kyle, can you teach me to preach like you do? See, and we say, Oh, I took that seriously. Because what we will do is we will ignore the anointing that God is stirring to reveal to the one and others who can help raise it up. It's not an awe moment, it's a stewarding moment. We've got to start paying attention. We, we, we got to, we've got to start understanding that God is revealing things. I, y'all, I, I, I have that pastor's meeting. Once a month, I, I, I got discouraged and encouraged at the same time because some of them were talking about their struggles. And when they came to me, I was, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> and, and I'm not talking about on a personal note because we all have like, you know, stuff that we got to refine. I'm talking like I was thinking, wow, like what has God done in this house? Y'all, we had over 30 people here today praying for this gathering at 515. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. That's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> let, 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 let me It should be. What, but... God's doing something in this house. And we, we, we have to understand that he is wanting us to light up some places of darkness. What is darkness? The absence of knowledge. He's showing us some things. He's growing us. Why is it so important to understand not give weight to offense? Because It's going to be easy to get offended when we're going to a new level of glory that Ecclesia has not seen. Like, to bring out more of you, things are going to be revealed whether you like it or not. (laughs) To you and for me. Trust me, I get refined all the time. but I'm choosing to not give offense. I'm choosing to give my ear. What you got? What do you see? Is this okay? Okay. Got to pay attention. Verse 11, he says, I continue to watch because I can hear the little horn's boastful speech. I love little A little horn replacing three. I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed and his body was destroyed by what? Fire. 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 Who sends fire? The, y'all. Who sends fire? fire. Okay. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> the other three beasts had their authority taken from them. Listen to that. The other three beasts had their authority taken from them, but they were allowed to live a little while longer. You know what Daniel's starting to see? He's starting to see a change in dominion over the earth. And as the dominion started to shift, the little horn kept talking. All the empires were destroyed and they weren't killed, their authority was taken away. And while their authority is gone, another authority is starting to take over. And we are in that time right now to decide who's getting dominion the little horn. The Antichrist spirit, the devil himself, or the ecclesia. The authority of Christ can take over the earth by simply doing one thing lighting up darkness. While the authority of Christ spreads, there is a dominion in the fourth beast called Antichrist. Daniel watched that being destroyed by fire flowing from heaven. The Son of God will take care of the little horn. But while we are waiting for him to take care of boastful, little, insignificant horn, can I just talk about Antichrist for a minute? Don't make him more powerful than he is. He has none. I could care less when he's revealed. I've already seen the one who conquers him be revealed. I don't need to know his name. I don't need to know if there's a new world order. I just know one thing. Christ wins. And I'm simply going to light up wherever there's darkness, where my foot puts, puts in the path. Right? That came out weird, but you get it. The Son of God will take care of the little horn while we start to operate in spreading his dominion by way of lighting up dark things. If we want the dominion and authority of Christ to spread, it's not God spread your authority. It's not God spread your dominion. It's God, your dominion will have reign wherever my hand has stewardship. While we wait for fire to destroy the fourth beast, we partner with Jesus for the glory of the Father in gaining all authority over the entire earth once again. We are in the end times, but we don't focus on the end times. We focus on spreading his authority in a season called the end because there's only four. <laughs> and, and that was hot. And then, we're, but, but we're, we're in the fourth Do you realize how significant that makes you? Let me put it in perspective. He didn't put Paul in this season. He put you in this season. Do you realize what's in you if he puts you in the end to gain ground from the little horn? Wasn't Paul. Wasn't Peter. It's you. And just as signs, miracles, wonders, and gifts of the Spirit accompanied the 12, if he's put you here for such a time as this, imagine what should accompany you. So God, refine me. When I hear that places are saying, don't send your fire, I'm like, y'all do what y'all gonna do. God, send fire. Because my life should be a flow of the witnesses. verse 13 as my vision continued that night I saw someone like a son of man coming with clouds of heaven he approached the ancient one so you see ancient one's father because son of man approached and was led into his presence <clears throat> he was given authority honor and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him his rule is eternal, it will never end, and his kingdom will never be destroyed. So we see that all that was given to the Son of God, Jesus, right? Everything was given to him. And look at what Jesus does with everything given to him in Luke 10. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Let me just stop right there. The next time you pray for God to take care of your battle, he's going to look right back at you and say, I've given you the authority to take care of the attacker, the deceiver, the suggestion. We have, If we start to understand our authority, what is authority? We reflect knowledge into dark places. So when the enemy comes at me, the re, the, how I walk in authority in a spiritual battle is I bring knowledge into ignorance. What ignorance? The ignorance of the deception whispering saying, Kyle, you're not enough. Kyle, you can't do it. Think about, I, I've been saying this a lot. I'm going to say it again. Think about Adam and Eve. When the enemy whispered to Eve, he said, why can't you eat of this fruit? Right? And he's, ta- he's having this conversation with Eve. And Satan says, if you eat this fruit, you'll be just like God. There's a deception. Because she was already like God. God, God knew that Eve didn't need the knowledge of good and evil to be like him. It would cause her to not be like him. In the same way, the enemy whispers to you, you're not good enough. You know how you attack and light up that darkness? No, no, no. I am good enough. And you say that to yourself over and over and over by the authority that Christ put in you until you realize that you are good enough. I have given you the authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your name's registered in heaven. He gave us what he had as a part of an authority to change the earth. Where have we missed it? We rejoice in authority instead of where we're seated. Rejoice in where you're seated, and authority is simply a benefit of your seat. It's not, I have the power. It's, I'm seated. Amen. It's not, look what I can do. It's, I'm seated. I'm, I'm beloved, and my beloved's mine. I am his. Rejoice in that, and that knowledge reflects in a way for all darkness to scatter when you walk into a room, not because of the authority you have, but because you know where you are. And if you still have the rhetoric of I can't wait to get to heaven, then you still have not had a revelation of where you truly are. You're already in heaven. As sons and daughters, heaven is merely a dimension of reality. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is, not as it will be. So how does that help us light up darkness? Any part of your life that doesn't look heavenly, it's because darkness is there. So stop living in, in, in in this idea of this is just how it is until I die. No, no, no. Your life should not be operating like that based off of where you're seated. So submit to the reality of where you're seated and then what your hand is over will start to submit to the function of your authority based off of your alignment. You're seated in heavenly places. When you start to understand that, God will start to give you new desires and those desires will start to steward things differently. You want to know why you can't forgive that mother or that father or that friend or that ex? It's because you haven't had the revelation of where you're seated and you think forgiving them is somehow going to take away your authority. Have you had the revelation that what, whether they accept it or not, or you've forgiven them or not, have you had the revelation that that has nothing to do with your wholeness? What... What it does is it makes you believe you're not whole. Or another way, if you don't forgive them in a seated posture of wholeness, your your, your inability to forgive prevents authority you actually have. That's why he says you've got to forgive first. Not so that you can get power, so that you can be submitted to the reality of the power because of where you're seated. Is this... Okay. 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 15. I, Daniel, was troubled by all I had seen, and my visions terrified me, so I approached one of the standing beside the throne and asked him what it all meant. He explained it to me like this. These four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth, but in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom. Maybe y'all didn't hear that. The holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom. Now, here's the interesting thing, and they will rule forever and ever. What is that? His rule is your rule. He created you to rule. That's why he's destroying the earth and putting us back on it. He loved what he created, and he loved what he created to manage what he created. So he says, I am going to redeem it all because it was good in its original state. So I'm going to get them back to original state. And in the meantime, while I decide when I'm going to deal with little horn, you spread. Well, why doesn't God just do it now? What's he waiting on? If you understand that you were in your mother's womb before time created, he wants all of the things he saw before in mother's womb to come into mother's womb. Why would he destroy the earth if he has another generation that's going to do great things that he planned long ago? Why would he take care of Antichrist now when he knows maybe we can't carry that weight right now, but what we can do is hear the calling of God. (laughs) 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 And and submit to the reality that why am I putting a demand on God that he could be waiting to put a demand on another generation. That's why I said last week we have to get out of the mindset of God's coming back tomorrow. If you think he's coming back tomorrow, you won't do well to steward today. Because the stewardship of today should be multi-generational. Spiritual mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters. This... uh. Thank you, Lord. We are in the last days. Our rule is not after Satan. It's right now. Our rule is now. And it's time we rule in dark places because those dark places were never meant to be dark. He's the head. We're the body. So we walk in an authority under the headship of the body. In verse 19, it says, Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, the one so different from the others and so terrifying. It devoured and crushed its victims with iron teeth, bronze claws, trampling their remains beneath its feet. I also asked about the ten horns on the fourth beast's head and the little horn that came up afterwards and destroyed three of the other horns. This horn had seemed greater than the others. It had human eyes, a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. As I watched, this horn was waging war against God's holy people. Interesting. It didn't wage war against God because it knew it couldn't defeat him. It wages war on his people and was defeating them until the Ancient One, the Most High, came and judged in favor of his holy people. Is there a final judgment? Yeah, but there's also already been one. Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. We have already been judged when Jesus was sent. The people of God were defeated, and now we live in light. What is our judgment? We're righteous. We're not waiting to be judged to be righteous. We are righteous. And we are called to be the sun, the rays, the light of righteousness under the headship of the sun so that those who are lost and destined for final judgment can join us in our final judgment. He's already made a judgment on those who actually believe in him. The final judgment is just an agreement of what he's already done or devour. I know that this is kind of pushing on some theology, but we got to because apparently if the theology was correct, we would have seen something a little different by now. Ephesians 2 6, he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Scripture tells us we are seated in heavenly realms now. So we must understand we aren't waiting for final judgment. Everyone else is. And we rejoice that we get to light up darkness so they don't have to. True evangelism. You see, the thing is with dominion, dominion theology isn't wrong, it's just been perverted. It's not dominion for our gain or our glory. It's dominion so that he gets glory in all things. Verse 23. Then he said to me, the fourth beast is the fourth world power that will rule the earth. It will be different from the others. It will devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. Now, y'all, y'all watch this. It's ten horns or ten kings who will rule the empire. Then another king will arise, different from the other ten, uh, who will subdue three of them. He will defy the Most High, oppress the holy people of God. He will try to change their sacred festivals and laws. <coughs> Easter, <coughs> Christmas. And they will be placed under his control for a time, times and half a time. But then the court will pass judgment. All his power will be taken away and completely destroyed. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under heaven will be given to the most holy people of the most high. His kingdom will last forever and all rules will serve and obey him. The church has replaced festivals with holidays and laws with grace. There's an abuse of grace. Grace did not come to abolish the law. It came to fulfill the law. So don't do this whole grace has got me. No, grace has made a way for you to get out. Yeah. <clears throat> well, God doesn't expect me to be perfect. No, he's actually already called you perfect, and he expects you to reflect in such a way. Yeah. Yes. that's right. <laughs> 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 uh. It has no. He has no authority. So he boasts and speaks to the ones that do have it. And he's like, "Let me, let me change how you honor. Let me change how you, how you act. Let, let me just change a little bit." And the church has submitted to the little horn over the years, and more people have a relationship with a religious structure. That has been deceived by little horn, then walking into the reality of perfected unto righteous as holy people who rule the earth. You can't be a son or daughter of God without the ability to rule. Verse 28 That was the end of the vision. And I, Daniel, was terrified by my thoughts, my face was pale with fear. But I kept these things to myself. Isn't that interesting? Remember earlier I mentioned how not every vision and dream is to be given? It wasn't to be given in that time because they could not get the reality of that. But isn't it so amazing that we get to see what he wrote down? Because we're in that fourth empire, we're in that end time season where we get to spread the dominion of God everywhere. It's up to us. I want to close with a passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. You are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. Night is a time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Be, Be on guard and watch with clear minds, protected in faith and love, and you guard the minds with a confidence in salvation. Another way to say that, the confidence of knowing where you are seated. If you know where you are seated, Let that reality guard your mind. So when the enemy starts to whisper things to your mind like you're not good enough, it's guarded with the helmet of the reality of, well, if I wasn't seated in heaven, then how can I not be good enough? You guard. Of course I'm good enough. I'm seated in heaven. You you can't change anything. Of course I can. I'm guarding my mind from receiving that I can't do anything because of what? I'm seated in heaven. He says be clear-minded, sober, vigilant. For what? Watch where the winds blow. Watch as the fire falls. And watch for a moment to spread his authority so that the light of the world lights up darkness. He purchased you to fill a seat that you were established for. I close this message with saying this, steward his purchase well. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Can we give God praise tonight?